hello and welcome back to another episode of TA Playlist, the official game club of TrueAchievements.com. My name is Mark, gamertag Not Penny's Boat, and I'm joined by my co-host as always. We have Kevin, gamertag Yuri Dace. Hi, Kevin. I'm super excited to be here today, guys. I'm really looking forward to trashing this game. Thank you. <laughs> and we have the Dark Knight himself, Will, gamertag Bruce Wayne, 1008. They're tired of my voice. They've always have been. But guess what? I'm back. <laughs> this is uh, this is episode four of TA Playlist. Uh, if you're just joining us, we have a bit of a backlog growing now. It's the July 2017 edition. Like I said, if you're joining us for the first time, this is a community-driven show where the lively True Achievements users vote on a game to play each month. Then somewhere between several hundred to several thousand of us spend the four plus weeks playing that game, breaking it down in the forums, comparing achievements, and wrapping it up with this podcast. If you'd like to exercise your right to vote for the Playlist games, you can join us on site at True Achievements, where polls arrive on the 15th of every month. Will, Kevin, and I argue and argue and argue for weeks on end, trying to curate a list of four games. Eventually, we nail it down after great strife. And then from those four, the community picks a winner over the course of the week-long poll. So for July, the poll consisted of Destiny in fourth place, which I promised would happen, and Kevin didn't believe me. No, Uh, no, no, no. no. I, I believed you. It's just the only chance we ever had to put it in there. And I said, maybe. Yeah. It, it, you know, yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, continue on, please, please. Uh, you know. Third place, we had Assassin's Creed 2, which was a bit of a surprise. Uh, Life is Strange came in second place. So that strange. one. Strange. Yeah, we'll, we'll so get it back strange, to that one later, you know? as Ugh. you'll see. And the, uh, the winner was Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor. So that was the featured playlist game for July 2017. So today we'll be trekking deep into Middle Earth to explore the J.R.R. Tolkien spinoff. Also, uh, Assassin's Creed spinoff is, <laughs> is kind of what yeah. we're, we're doing. You're dragging Assassin's it. Creed That's actually not one of those. <laughs> a little background on Shadow of Mordor before we get into it. It was developed by Monolith in 2014. They're a uh, Washington State-based developer who's paid their bills mostly with PC games up until, well, through the 90s and into up to 2004, at which point they were bought by Warner Brothers. Since then, they've only worked on a handful of games. They're most notably behind Fear and Condemned. And they also did Gotham City Imposters, which was a Batman spinoff, first-person shooter. Uh, it was an XBLA title, if you guys remember that one. And Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor was their f- first foray into open-world games. And this fall, uh, rather timely, they'll be releasing the sequel, Shadow of War. And I'm sure we're all looking forward to that. <laughs> you know, we usually open with story first. And as is becoming customary, before we critique it beat by beat, let's throw it to our resident Sparknotes app, Kevin, to explain it all to us. What what happened in Shadow of Mordor, Kevin? So this game is is really a great Lord of the Rings fan fiction. It's basically the tale of this one guy named Talion, and he gets killed by a bunch of orcs as well as all his family. But this one dude merges his soul with them or something like that. So he becomes immortal, which is really useful. Then he just walks through the land of Mordor, which which is packed, jam-packed with orcs and just kind of runs by them, ignoring all of them the whole time because that's the only way to get through the land. And anyway, he meets Gollum, which is basically just there to get people to remember the movies, uh, you know, better times. And then, you know, he he kills a bunch of orcs, he makes some war chiefs, and then he fights like three really boring boss battles, and that's it. He saves the day, but really nothing has happened because Sauron's still alive. So, you know, that's that. <laughs> okay, that's, that was our third time throwing it to you for our little Kevin Explains It All segment because you did it so well 
both Darksiders. We're trying to make it a monthly thing now, as frequent listeners will know. But that is the first time you took it and got very sarcastic with it. Yeah, you got very snotty. What was that about? Sarcastic? <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, man. You know, I was just... Well, we can talk about this in the story. You know, this... I mean, yeah, you made you hit on several points that will probably be... It'll end up being the focus of this show. Um, so I'm not saying it, it was all unfair, but it was just funny that you took it in that, in that direction. Um, we need to avoid all this, like, negativity that came into it. We just needed you to explain it. Damn. Okay, I, I did. He dies, and then he comes back to life because he's immortal now. And then he kills a bunch of orcs and makes them war chiefs because he can mind control them. And then he, I, I don't know, kills the bad guys. I mean... I don't think he plays this, this game. This story, uh, there's not there's not a lot to it. There's characters, and they they don't do anything. So they're not really worth the, being in the spark notes. They just kind of moving pieces like- that send you on quests. Now, do you believe me, Ranger? What has happened to me? You are banished from death. Cast adrift between the worlds of light and dark. Curse binds us together within the walls of Arda. If what you say is true, then how do we break this curse? We find the one who cast it on us. The Black Hand of Sauron. It kind of sounds like you just explained Darksiders again, so it's a little weird. <laughs> I kind of feel like I am. That's true. <laughs> this is, I didn't get that type of eye playing the game anyway, but that is a very different thing to talk about. Uh, yeah, but, which which we should mark. Hey, segue us, please. Yeah, Let's well, talk. I mean, Kevin's already made himself very clear. He's he's going to come down pretty hard in this game, apparently, um, behind the scenes. We, we, uh, we try not to divulge too many of our opinions on the game of the month each time. So we kind of save it all and it's all fresh and organic for the show. So I didn't know that Kevin was going to come down this hard on it right out, right out or right after that. But, uh, you're, you're defending it a little bit more. Is that what you're saying? Well, well, yeah, he made it sound like it was just as bad as Darksiders. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Not. <laughs> I, I kind of like Darksiders. At least the combat's better. You know, it's a little fun, but then, you know, like you're slapping everyone in the face who played every single Batman game. So I don't know how I feel about that. That's, that's kind what of the thing. Every single Assassin's Creed game. I don't, I don't, feel that vibe of assassin's creed like maybe a little bit in climbing but i like the free running it feels like two different things well that maybe sounds like a conversation for like an hour from now so <laughs> yeah yeah we might be getting segways <laughs> story to talk about guys well, i planned on opening up with a little bit of positivity because um i did want to c- commend the game for its what i felt was great voice acting mm-hmm. and i actually took a look at the the cast and one thing that i thought was really interesting was how basically every Every recognizable name in video game voice work, and there aren't many. You know, there's probably a dozen or so names that really like stand out. Yeah, they're like really household names. But pretty much all of them were in this game. Like Troy Troy Baker, he played Joel in The Last of Us. He played Booker DeWitt. He's Italian in this game, obviously. He's the protagonist. Nolan North was in this. He's most famously Nathan Drake. Laura Bailey played Troy Baker's wife. I forget how to pronounce it. Is it Yorth? Yorth, yeah. She uh, She's Kate Diaz in Gears of War 4. She was Catwoman in Telltale's Batman. I mean, the list goes on and on. Claudia Black was Qu- Queen Marwin. She's also Chloe in Uncharted. Travis Willingham, J.B. Blanc. John DiMaggio, who is John DiMaggio, is actually 
he, this guy's really cool. He he played the hammer in this game, but he also plays Marcus Venus, Jake from Adventure Time, and Bender from Futurama. So that's that's quite the credits list for that guy. But I just felt like it sounds like Kevin's getting ready to unload on how bad this game was in all aspects for him. But did you do you guys at least agree that I mean I thought the voice acting was very solid and it's you know it's no wonder when you look at the list because they just basically went out and plucked every notable actor and put them in this game in some major role. I'm going to keep it 150%. I didn't know any of those people were in the game, honestly. Well, you know, maybe not by name, but I, you know, you... Well, no, I, I'm familiar with the names. I just, I didn't know that they even contributed in voice acting at that point, yeah. like in this specific title. So that's interesting. I enjoyed the game and didn't think of the voice acting extremely, but that may be a good thing because of the fact that if it's so good, then it obviously didn't impact anything when I was playing it. So it's just so good that it's invisible. Yeah, I think saying, that might be the situation right now. I know what you mean. You're saying if it was really bad, you would notice. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's usually those who do really well that blend right in. And yeah. that's kind of the objective of it. So it didn't feel like there was bumps on the road with the voice acting. So kudos to all those people who did it. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome. You know, I have a little thing about Troy Baker. I get annoyed because I'm just tired of hearing his name, but it doesn't bother me with Nolan North. I don't know. It's it's very weird. Maybe because he comes, I see him and like a picture of him and I'm like, this guy's a cocky mother lover, isn't he? Again, this is just me being stupid. Kevin, tell us, what did you think about the voice acting? Now, you know, honestly, I, I agree. It was really good. Obviously, I'm not going to have a favorable opinion on this plot, but the opening cutscene, which is where most of the story takes place, was actually pretty good. And I thought that it worked really, really well with all those characters, you know, acting. It was believable. I actually even felt a little bad for him. And a whole a huge part of that really is the voice actors putting in the effort to make sure that these characters are believable. I mean, yes, I, I definitely agree with that. They did a great job. One funny thing I noticed about the voice actors is that the character Torvin, you guys remember him? He's like the, the dwarven uh, hunter that you meet about halfway through. He to me, he's he reminded me, you know, not to make another Darksiders comparison because, you know, outside of playlist, this game has, you know, nothing to do with Darksiders. It just happens to be the game we played two months later. But Torvin, to me, reminded me very much of Ulthane. And I found a lot of weird comparisons between the two to the point where I did some digging. Um, so, you know, Torvin introduces you to a kills competition, just like Ulthane does. And they both seem to me, maybe I misidentified their accents, but I thought they both had Scottish accents. So I was like, why are these two characters? is so oddly similar and I, I said to myself I wonder if they even have the same voice actor and I looked it up and it turns out they don't Torvin's played by Adam Crowsdale who was most recently and famously Ignis in Final Fantasy 15 and Ulthane was J.B. Blanc but funny enough um, as I mentioned a moment ago J.B. Blanc is also in Shadow of Mordor I don't know I just that was just a weird it's it's sort of like an offshoot uh, thing to mention on this show just for strictly like you know the playlist followers that have been with us all the all four months so far but I just thought it was so weird that we're introduced to this character who's very much like a character we just saw a few weeks ago in every way other than their size. You know, Torvin's a, a dwarf and Ulthane was sort of like a giant of some sort. But I don't, I don't know if there if there was any inspiration drawn from that, but it, it was just strange to me. Did you guys make that comparison or was that just me? I know in the forums, Kentaris uh, said this, the same thing. I had already like drawn that conclusion and then I saw that he mentioned it at one point too. I was like, okay, yeah, somebody else was picking that up too. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I totally agree with that. But I, I think that the characters serve the same purpose, which is, I guess, basically to provide a, a companion with a little bit of 
comedy, uh, yeah. not because they're necessarily funny, but just because of their attitude in this like dark grim story is so different. And so in that way, they are definitely very similar. I think it's because they serve the same purpose because every story needs someone like that. Kind of the, the lighter fare. <laughs> comedic relief the same thing with a guy from sunset overdrive who i can't remember who i wanted him to freaking buck national now with no damn buck national the black guy i can't remember his name mm. oh yeah dude oh, oh, man. Man. we've already forgotten his name yeah all he did was sell me stuff listen all i'm saying is that that, that was the whole purpose and role of him though yeah. it's good that you kind of went into a deep analysis for it <laughs> i didn't think too much into it i was just like oh look it's a guy with an accent who's gonna help us that's yeah, That's no, I just cool. I just thought it was weird how we had another Scottish sounding guy like challenging us to kill more enemies than him. I was like, this is familiar, like very recently familiar. Yeah, very, very familiar. No, that's yeah. true. <laughs> but Let's hope we're not offending those who actually think like it's not a Scottish accent. It's actually yeah, from Lottie Law. It's Irish. Come on. It, yeah, there might we be, go. Might that that just said everything on fire. So we're good. Let's move on from that. <laughs> well, yeah, we should we should get to the, the main story beats. Um, you're kind of right, Kevin. There aren't many. Basically, for me, at least it opens with it opens very strongly. You know, his family is slaughtered in front of him as, as someone with a lovely fiance and a, a lovely son. I always relate to that. Like your family is in pain stuff much stronger than a lot of other storylines, you know, especially anything with kids uh, that always gets to me in a big way. So this was not my first time playing it, but even going back to it, as we did for playlist, it caught me uh very strongly. And then it all just, it just all dissipates pretty quickly. You know, it, he starts off just wanting to die and, you know, he's, he's disallowed that death. So basically he's trying to achieve death so he can be with his family. And then it quickly becomes a revenge tale. And then it's sort of one beat from there. What, what did you guys think? This whole thing was one beat. Let's just be real. <laughs> Tell you the truth. I played it and I dived, I don't know, like an insane, I want to say 80 something hours into the game. And I, I still didn't get the achievement list anyway, but that I'm getting jumping ahead. <laughs> Let me tell you, I forgot about his whole family. I know that was the whole big thing, but there was no like little filler or n- no moments where he like forementions them again. This is yeah. for the, like you get it once or twice, but there's like, I expected a flashback or something in which you saw something that reminded you of his family in the past. And that's, you're right. That's when it totally just went off track. Like this is where we start focusing on revenge. But if we didn't get the constant reminders, or at least I feel like I didn't get those reminders. So it just felt like I was killing for the sake of killing. And that was okay for me it just in terms of story didn't provide much so because i feel like this could have been way worse than need be it could have went in a very cheesy route definitely some blank spaces there and it's like where's my motivation i think i always tend to jump into that if i can't feel the character's motivation then am i really playing something that i'm into or am i just playing it because pure obligation (laughs) kevin I'm not sure I agree with that. I think that this was a bad... I know. You know, not always. No. Unpopular opinion, Kevin. Change the game. I I think we had a lot of agreement in in other things. Maybe just not in this particular podcast. (laughs) So I'm going to say that this was a bad story. And I I think just based off of what you just admitted, where, you know, the game starts off... Well, you and Mark together starts off well and then basically does nothing ever again is pretty horrible. Honestly, you know, I, I think that's a really huge mistake from the writers on this game. I don't and, mean to uh, cut you off, but no, no, please do. Isn't that exactly Darksiders? Yet you still enjoy that experience? <laughs> yeah, and it had a horrible story too. 
but you enjoyed it. But, and and also, I don't think that's comparable. Darksiders did do things with its story. I, you just didn't like the game. <laughs> it, it still I, did something. You, you said that the story wasn't even good. Can someone please rewind this? No, it, no, 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 no. Let's hold on. It wasn't good. Not to get back into Darksiders. It wasn't good, but it it was bad for a different reason. It was bad because it so was, why is this one bad? It was stupid and superficial. This one is bad because it starts off really strongly with characters you know that seem interesting and then like you said the wife is basically never mentioned again the only time i was ever reminded of her of her is when she decided to have a clip of her voice played in the loading screen which is obviously I not good enough that. yeah no they they played clips of voice dialogue in the cutscenes, which was really great because you know they usually didn't have anything to do with what you were doing but to be honest i muted them <laughs> I didn't. I, as soon as they started to play, I just started hearing echoes, and I'm like, okay, I'm not insane. I'm muting him. I'm not doing this. Yeah, no. You know, if if I were wandering around that that desolate world, I would have muted it too. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> so so like I said, it starts off strong, and then we get nothing really ever happens. You meet characters, and their only purpose is to send you out to do missions. They don't really do anything on their own. Like Gollum, actually, no. Gollum has two purposes: one, he sends you on missions, and then two, he's there to remind you that this is indeed Lord of the Rings. And <laughs> You know, that's the only reason he's in this game. He's served, <laughs> he really shouldn't have been there. I hate that character anyway, so that didn't help. And then you got that dwarf who, you know, I, I bet uh, Will couldn't tell us his name right now, even though Mark just talked about him. What's his Tw- name? Uh, Torblin. <laughs> <laughs> please don't edit that out, please. That was awesome. <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> Torben. Torben. Oh, my God. You actually knew. But anyway, he's, he's horrible. He doesn't have anything to do with anything. He's just there and, you know, says that he's got some stuff. So the only character we're really talking to is uh, Caleb Brimbor, which is stupid name because you can't say it so that was also a bad choice by the writers well that but that one you can blame on tolkien that's a character from the books that wasn't their doing we could have we could have shortened it you know like maybe he went by you know kel and that would be fine kel <laughs> i'm thinking of keenan and kel so it's not brimbor. good he goes by brimbor we're gonna call him brimbor for the rest of this so brimbor you know he's he's going and trying to figure out his past, I guess, which also doesn't really jive with the end of the story where it seems like he kind of knew what was going on. But anyway, basically none of these characters ever do anything and we eventually get our revenge, but nobody cares that we got our revenge because no one even remembered why we were doing it. So, you know, that's it. And then at the end, Talion has decided he didn't want to die because, you know, he's immortal. Obviously he can do some good in the world, so he might as well. You'd think he would have realized that somewhere along the way already because it's you know, it just jumps out at everyone. Great evil in the world. You can't so, die. Maybe you should fight it. No. So here's my question for both of you guys, because I have not absorbed anything regarding Lord of the Rings, nor the Hobbit. I'm a nerd, but I haven't dived into those worlds yet. So have you guys have any prior, um, prior history with it or no? I only, I, I'm not into fantasy almost ever. You're into podcasts. Okay. We got you. <laughs> yeah. What yeah, about you, Captain? Too many podcasts to read fantasy. You know, I like fantasy a lot. I typically don't like high fantasy 
quite as much, uh, you know, with like elves and dwarves and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the Lord of the Rings series is pretty good. Actually, it's it's probably really good, at, at least as far as the books go. I don't like the rest of its world. The Hobbit was okay. And then you start getting into the weeds of like the Silmarillion, which is like totally unreadable. So... I, I, I like the world, and I, I generally think the setting is okay. I also did watch all of the movies when they came out, oh, which was so you really awesome true. at the time. Yeah, and I've also, I, I'm pretty sure, own all the extended releases and watched them at some point, though I I don't really remember now. That's like 12 hours of movie time. And I did watch the Hobbit movies recently also and thought that they were kind of bad. But I think that's the general <laughs> consensus. So, you know, that's not me just being contrary. So anyway, I definitely did come in here knowing something of the world. And maybe that's part of what makes me not like this or appreciate this as much, because I know that there is a lot of depth in this world and they could have done something really cool with it and seemingly just chose not to well the only reason why i ask is because there's uh, one of the talking points where we're initially asking does it feel genuine to that material and i can't answer that because it's actually my first dive into it like i know about golem and that he's a psychotic heifer but aside from that i don't even know if i'm speaking correctly about the guy but you know <laughs> i know nothing so i guess this is for you guys did it did it feel like it was connected to the world or well i I brought up that point, you know, asking the question, does it feel genuine? Because I remember when it first came out, it sort of split the community. A lot of like the diehard lore nerds for Lord of the Rings and all the the Tolkien books are uh, like the people that knew it the best saw a lot of flaws in the story and noticed a lot of inconsistencies and just some just basic like errors in the storytelling that didn't fit with the rest. I can't pluck those out because like I said, I'm not familiar with them. I have never been interested in them, but I remember at that same time, you know, like I said, it was split. So not everybody was feeling that way. I, th- I think the, the most diehard people were spotting those things, but for the most part, fans of that universe already were enjoying it. Um, I remember even Troy Baker was on a podcast I was listening to big surprise. <laughs> sort of bringing up the same point and saying how like monolith took their time and they they went to great lengths to make sure it fit in the world um so at the time i took his word for it but you know in the weeks and months after i kind of heard some whispers and you know forum posts here and there of people saying like this is what doesn't make sense and i'm a nerd and like you know like <laughs> like they were they were able to pick those things out of there um I'm not able to, but evidently there there are errors. Wouldn't be able to tell you. Couldn't tell you. I saw Golem <laughs> and I just automatically was like, okay, that's cool. Where's yeah, yeah, See, that's what I said. Right. That's why he's there. Yeah. <laughs> it gives the whole thing all the credibility it could ever need with your casual moviegoer. Well, let me explain something to you guys, because I know nothing. Like when this title came out, I had no prior information. I think you said this came back in 2014, right? Yeah. All right. So 2014, I didn't even know this thing existed. I just know that there was talk of something, a game that had Batman-esque gameplay. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I asked about it. And then I probably, I might've just sold the game art and I was like, oh, I'm not doing this. I can't (laughs) because it just looks like it's too angst. I don't know. It didn't appeal to me. So that's just me. But I guess that's not necessarily bad because the time when I started to actually become educated on this, I was doing the video for TA and it was Mark's script because Mark's an excellent writer and I'm not. And that's when I learned actually through that blurb more about the game or at least shadow of war and then bits and pieces of shadow of mordor and then that's how my information was processed Hmm. so it's interesting because for me like i i had no type of information aside from the fact that it wasn't really connected into the lord of the rings world as much for me because i'm not that really of a diehard it did well in connecting the bridge for me just 
I don't know. I wasn't upset at the end of the day, but yeah. you said diehards were, so I'm sorry, diehards. Yeah, it's, I think that's who's upset. Most most people who are, you know, because I think a lot of people haven't even read the books, and if they if they're just familiar with the movies and they like the action and the drama and the the huge cast of characters, then maybe this game does a lot more for them. But yeah, if you know, like anything else, if you're immensely passionate about something, you you're able to spot all of its inconsistencies and flaws a bit more, even though you love it so much. So that's probably where those people are coming from. Yeah, I can say as someone who likes it well enough and generally appreciates the world that I didn't notice anything drastically inconsistent, but it could be just, you know, poor memory also. Maybe there was. One thing that I could have cleared up prior to this show, but I thought I would I would remain ignorant until we recorded just to help anyone else who was confused. Maybe I think, Kevin, it sounds like you're closest to maybe knowing the answer. What is the difference between an orc and an uruk? Because the are we not killing uruks the whole game, not orcs? As far as I remember, and I could be wrong, I, could, I mean, they, I called them orcs earlier because they look like orcs, but I'm pretty well, sure they, uruks the are just like a orcs. tribe of orcs. And so there's a bunch of different types of orc tribes and uruk are one of them. Okay. Yeah, because in the game, they do sometimes, they, they switch back and forth between what they're calling them. I know they're orcs, like, in terms of their species or whatever. They look just like the ones from the movies. But I thought, you know, maybe they're, like, the most legendary or something. Or But yeah, it's something like that. It's their own sect somehow. Pretty sure they're just a separate tribe. But I'm I'm sure maybe we've just, someone we've just, right now is just screaming. No. <laughs> yeah, we've just angered and, another <laughs> portion of yeah, the diamonds. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, not, you know, all I did was watch the movies like a decade ago and read the books a decade ago. So, you know, I'm a little rusty here. You know, I'm I'm trying to work with it. I was just going to say, let's just chalk it up as Mark being racist or because he doesn't know the difference between the Shrek races. (laughs) If you were 13, then so it was like more than a decade ago. Oh, God. Wait, when did it? I don't even know when Lower Ring came out, but if it was was a decade ago, I was 13. Pretty sure it was in middle school and maybe like early high school. So So it probably was before then. Yeah. Because, you know, it was was really early 2000s. Kevin's a damn fossil over here. I I didn't want to get out of the story section without sharing some feedback from the community as we do. There were there were a few longer pieces of feedback that were excellent, but they're just they're too long form for for this format, I think. But I I pluck a quick point from Hawkeye Barry 20. Who else? I think we've mentioned him on every he he and a few others have been mentioned in every show so far. They always have great feedback. I think he kind of captured what a lot of people felt with this game. And it's how I felt. Sounds like it's how Will felt. Uh, Maybe you too, Kevin. And maybe you didn't even like it this much, but he said it was an emotional beginning that could have been a start to a great story, but wasn't. I I felt like that captures it very well. And then... For the record, yes, absolutely agree with that. Okay, cool. And Kintaris is... um, His is a bit longer. His was actually much longer than even this. Kind of paraphrasing him here. I think it's two different excerpts that I put as one long thing. He said, I still don't get what the fuss is about. This is coming from someone who loves both Tolkien's Middle Earth and someone who can usually put up with the trappings of open world gameplay. But apart from a few bright spots, this game felt like a chore throughout. And then later in his post, he said, I didn't care one jot. And that must be a British thing because I know he's not from here. I've never heard of that. But he said, I didn't care one jot about Talion after the prologue because the writer seemed to just give up on developing him. The nail in the coffin for for me was the implication that he was getting hot for Lethandriel. His wife has only been dead five minutes. And beside, besides which his love for her is supposedly what fuels his thirst for vengeance and desire to seek a true death. It just felt stupid and completely out of keeping with the tone of the prologue. So kind of the same sentiment there and i think they both echo what a lot of people were saying and certainly how we feel then very harsh words sam 
I, I should have read this post. Like, I, I honestly, I didn't have any time to read through all the forum posts this month, which I am. I, I normally try to quote people and I will go through these because I do want to hear what everyone has to say. So I guess for now, if, if you guys notice, I normally quote people and this month I won't be. So that's why. But I sounds like I'm really going to like that post, I think. <laughs> yeah, he had a that's probably like two paragraphs of four or five that he had. I just it was too long to maybe quote the whole thing. But I especially like the the implication that he was getting hot for Lethandriel. How it's it's true, you know they don't they don't do too much with it in this game. But you you kind of get the sense that in Shadow of War that's going to be a major plot point. It's like your wife did just die, and that's kind of why you're slaughtering everyone. Why are you moving on in the weirdest way? My mother said you would be here, and here you are. Well, Lethandriel from the Sea of Nunin, you should have stayed where you were. There's nothing here but death. Lady Marwyn, Queen of the Shore, wishes an audience with you. She has seen visions of your misfortune. <laughs> Queen who sees visions. Visions of the return of the great Celebrimbor. She wishes to make him an offering. And what is this offering? That is all I know. I must gather provisions. The return to Nernan is long and treacherous. My camp is close by. It will be my honor to escort you. Do we have anything else to say about the story or should we move on to gameplay, which is probably where the bulk of this game I th- lies? I think we should just be like the game and leave it unfinished. <laughs> what is with these harsh words we're getting from everybody? Damn. Oh, hey, look, nobody even disagrees with that one. So let's, you know, it's just, it's just the way it is. Yeah, let's move on to gameplay then. Um, obviously, it's an open world game. It's third person melee combat, lots of sword fighting. Although, you know, there's... Uh, there's bow and arrow mechanics as well. And yes, one, the thing that Kevin already mentioned is the thing that pretty much everyone mentions when they bring up Shadow of Mordor, which is it's a little bit of Batman. It's a little bit of Assassin's Creed with the nemesis system on top. So maybe take those. We, we can take those pieces one at a time. But just in general, what do you guys think about the gameplay? Do we go to Kevin, who's going to automatically crap on it? Or do we go to Will, who's going to give it a chance? I, I think we should go to Will, who's going to give it... Let's start with some positivity. Come yeah, on. Yeah, let's start with some positivity. All right, listen. You guys know my gamer tag, right? No? Is this new to you guys? I just... I, Bruce Wayne one, 1010. Yeah. There it is. See? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm trying to be not biased when I do this, because, of course, obviously, people are going to be like, oh, he likes Batman. He's a game tag, Batman. Listen, shut up. My point is really the fact that I enjoy those games, and... And the first time I really dived into it, uh, aside from just being a fanboy of the situation, the combat system really grasped me. And because this essentially said, let's take this template, almost just copy and paste it, to be honest, maybe throw a little mixes in there. I wasn't mad. I obviously enjoyed it. I wasn't complaining. I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of button mashing if it's for a good purpose. And when I feel like I'm going against a whole bunch of people where exactly where we get that in Batman and exactly where we get that in Shadow of uh, Mordor, it's enjoyable for me at least there's times where it does get tiring because my health was low and i'm the hard-headed guy who's like i will kill and murder i will literally take care of every single one of you bastards and not even think about it that i learned the hard way can't be done especially in the beginning levels when i was fighting people who were like level 20 war chiefs crap and i'm like 
just started the game. But I mean, aside from that, the combat I enjoyed. The Assassin's Creed people point out, I just don't feel it as much because maybe I haven't played as much Assassin's Creed as I'd like to. I mean, I've played every single title, but I, I guess in terms of running and climbing things a little bit, but I think it meshed well and it gave it its own identity, even though it technically is almost a carbon copy. It, it was good for me. And now we go to Kevin, who's going to say this was stupid. Kevin, tell us it was stupid. This is so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> it's uh, okay. So as, as far as Assassin's Creed goes, I, I think we can just throw out the Batman's comparison because Batman and Assassin's Creed combat is the same thing. So this was just an Assassin's Creed game. It was just a really bad one, except they finally removed the stupid missions where you follow around the person throughout the city and you, you can't get too close and you can't get too far and you got to listen in. Those are horrible. Anyway, so it's Assassin's Creed game without those but without anything that makes assassin's creed fun that's like my my synopsis of the game so let's let's take an example you know at the very beginning let's say you're getting into combat this is maybe first you know two or three hours or so into the game you get into combat and you know you fight some orcs and more orcs keep coming but you know you you got it in hand and then this you know captain comes and somehow you, you almost get him dead and then another captain comes and then you kill them both almost and then another captain comes and you basically just do this forever until you die and you know then you watch like a 10 minute scene of the nemesis system like you know working through all these deaths and stuff so anyway it's, it's pretty horrible because the combat seems to just never end because there's so many enemies on this map and then you know let's say about 15 hours into the game here's a combat scenario you get in combat and you just ignore everything and you just run by it because the combat isn't any fun so that's <laughs> are you that's saying the combat isn't fun yeah no it's horrible oh wow all right it's so I'm going to kick him off the chat. We're it's done. So, <laughs> it's so boring. You don't do anything. So you just boring. sit around and you hit the buttons that appear. Ooh, a Y or ooh, and A. And then you have, you, you know, ooh, you press what, like do the execute or later on, once you can brand people, you just brand them instead, which is really overpowered. It's just not any fun at all. It's so easy and it's so boring because there's so many enemies and it just never ends. It's not interesting at all. Uh, you know, it's uh, and also bow and arrow in this game is completely broken and I, I don't understand how this even exists in the game if you level up the bow so that you have a bunch of arrows and enough focus you can basically just kill whole groups of enemies before they can do a single thing to you which is really stupid so you know okay uh thoughts <laughs> i disagree with everything you said stop speaking stop breathing no stop <laughs> I like the combat, um, but like, well, I love the Batman combat. I, I will say Batman, you know, you said we can remove the Batman remarks because Assassin's Creed did it before that. Batman did some things that Assassin's Creed then took from them that the early Assassin's Creed didn't do. But yeah, now at this point, they are the same and, and thus um, Mordor is the same as well. But, you know, you, you call it easy mode combat in the forums at the start of the month, Kevin, and I can see what you mean, but I do side with Will that it's actually fun. <laughs> but, you know, then again, we're not, you know, we the, the two of us don't play Dark Souls, at least not yet. Um, maybe oh, in a future playlist month. But so, you know, easy mode combat, that's not a huge detriment for me. I'm, I'm, I'm usually playing for other reasons than like deep combat experiences. That was, he, he explained the whole thing of just like fighting and fighting. It sounded like a New York City, like 1970 fight. <laughs> it's just fun. <laughs> they keep coming. I don't know why. <laughs> well, you know, I, I bet if I were in one of those fights, I wouldn't be having a very good time. So you, you wouldn't so. be able to hang with the warriors, man. <laughs> no, maybe not. But, you know, it's. 
And it's not necessarily that I dislike easy mode combat. It's just in a game that clearly tries to pride itself on, you know, hunting down these captains and killing them. And they've all got, you know, special abilities and strengths and weaknesses. You know, considering how much effort they put into that portion of the game, it's really surprising how boring and how easy the combat is so that it's not even challenging. Like any captain that's weak to stealth attacks is instantly like really so easily killable that it's just ridiculous because you, you just press RT. Oh yeah, wait, let's, let's go to stealth for a second oh, God. where the enemies literally, you can walk in front of them in stealth and they'll be like, Oh, who's that? And then you just walk around the corner and they're just like, ah, I guess it was no one, which is like, exactly. Was, we broke Kevin. There's no words to describe. Like, I don't, I, I almost want to say the stealth mechanics shouldn't have existed, but they should have because there were so many enemies on the map that you needed a way to ignore them. But the better solution would have been to just remove stealth because clearly nobody put any time into it and instead have less enemies on the map, which also would have made everything way better. So. You're so confusing because you sound like you want a challenge, but when there's a challenge in front of you, you don't want to tackle it. No, it's not that it's a challenge. It's that it's obnoxious. And there's a big, there's a clear difference. Because there's there. people it's there? not challenging to kill these enemies. It's annoying to have to do it like back to back to back to back and it never ends. That's not fun and it's not hard. You, I, I mean, you can sit in combat in this game for like it's literally just 10 minutes and it's, it's not funny. hard. It's just boring. You know, because Will, Will and I could gang up on you, but, but I can bring to your aid a forum post that agrees with you if you'd like, Kevin. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> Please do. Yes. It's from Iceman Zero Zero Behave. He or she said, I have to admit it that it does tend to feel a bit soulless at times. There have been instances where I felt like it's just a map full of wandering orcs and slaves and missions and collectibles are sprinkled in there to break up the orc killing monotony. I just realized a big part of that is because other characters only seem to appear in story missions and not during normal exploration. Well, yeah, yeah that's to be expected. But exactly. And I, I when you say okay. that, when you're going into the point where you're mentioning about having other characters join you in battle, and let's be real, we didn't expect that to happen from the get-go. I don't think I've ever came into a story where you have an open world thing and then you just have your old buddy companion come pop out of nowhere. But I'm not trying to go against Iceman uh, when he mentions that it does feel at times soulless. I agree with that. However, when we just go to the point where we say it's no longer fun or the stealth is unnecessary... And I, I can understand if that doesn't appeal to you because the stealth is really, really broken. But being able to say, for example, I need to get to from location A to B and I notice there's a bunch of orcs. Just being able to run and then just be able to sneak a little behind them and then do the brutal kill made life so much easier because all the idiots run another way and I'm going where I need to go. I, I think it served its purpose. Do I think it could be improved? Of course, there's a lot of things this game could have improved on. Do I think it was necessarily bad or getting to the point where it was boring? No, I think that I, I went through enough experiences where I had to be literally the noob who was trying to figure out how the nemesis system worked and how I can work to my advantage. But when it comes to playing it and feeling like it was completely like obnoxious where Kevin's bringing that up or it may feel empty. I, I guess I just didn't get that. I feel like I was always doing something and coming across new things. I rarely came across war chiefs or captains or anyone who had easy things that they were scared of. They always seemed more diverse. I never had one that felt the same, even though they all look the same. I felt like I was always coming across different type of captains with different motivations. So I don't know, maybe I'm giving it too much praise, but 
I just, I don't feel like my experience lined up with what you and the Iceman mentioned. And I don't know if that applies with Mark either. I kind of see it both ways, and I don't know if that means I'm walking the fence, but I had my own separate issues with this game in terms of its gameplay. For one, I think the world is pretty hideous, and I guess that's because you're handcuffed to put it in Mordor and Middle-earth, where maybe the world is just hideous, you know, and that's how the books depict it too, but like there's there's the two maps. The second map is, is a little bit nicer because it's lush, and there's like some green and grass. But Hold on, hold on. But, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Can we talk about their explanation for why this area exists, which as far as I'm definitely in the movies and stuff, that part of Mordor is never shown, but they say that they, the orcs use it all for their food, but there's nothing there that gives any nourishment. There's no crops and there's no like wildlife, any different from the wildlife you find in the Rocky area. So what, well, it, what do they eat there? It sounds like you're treading into the complaints that the diehards probably have. That that might have been one of many bullet points on their list. That you know, I can't know for sure. Like I said, I'm not I'm not uh, in tune with the details enough to know that. But it, that sounds like the sort of diehard complaint that probably arose when the game originally released. <laughs> well, continue on if if you remember your train of thought. I'm sorry. No, no, no worries. It, I mean, yeah, I, ha- I had one other point. One is that, like I said, the the game is just ugly and. It, it was ugly in 2014 and you know it's even uglier now three three years later where we've got a, a whole slew of even newer and prettier games to remind us how ugly it is i also think part of that is because it was maybe handcuffed to last gen you know even the characters don't look very good in this game even even tallying you know i notice a lot of games will put seemingly put a lot of time and resources into at least nailing down the the protagonist and maybe some other major characters to look really nice even if some of the secondary characters don't clearly don't have as much um time put into them but even Italian in this game just something about his face it, and his arms his arms has like you know he's got that the one arm is like sort of sleeveless and it, there's like no definition in his arm it's, it just looks like a hot dog wearing a glove like it's I don't know it's weird but and that's not even my that's not even my second point that's all sort of my point that the game's kind of unappealing in, in terms of aesthetics but secondly I I found that you're able to over level very easily in this game like I don't remember if I did it this way the first time, but when when I replayed it for playlist, I pretty much put all the side missions as my top priority. And by the, I think I was on mission four out of 20 or mission seven out of 20, somewhere early in like the first quarter or third of the game. And I almost had the whole skill tree already. And it reminded me of a game I played recently, which is Horizon Zero Dawn, which also lets you over level like crazy and you get way too overpowered too early if you so prioritize the missions in that way. And I... I wondered if it was maybe because both the Horizon developer, whose name I can't remember, El Gorilla, and Monolith, you know, for each of them, it was their first term, first time doing a open world game. And I was wondering if, you know, I don't want to make this the Horizon podcast, just like I don't want to make it the Darksiders podcast, but I'm just drawing these comparisons to, because they kind of helped me understand how it went wrong. And I think, it, you know, it was, it was Monolith's first attempt at like an open world quasi RPG uh, action and even stealth game. And, you know, I, I think those are some growing pains that maybe we'll, we'll see improved in the sequel. Did you guys uh, over level like I did or did you 
at least see that you could have if you didn't take it that way? So initially when I played, I think I went through a couple levels, maybe one or two levels of just the story. Then I had like a weird kind of map and how I went through it because instead of focusing on the story, I was like, let me look up some easy achievements. Got some achievements. Then from there, there was this one guy, this one captain that kept kicking my ass. And I was convinced, like I gave up on the story mode for like a couple hours. And I was like, I'm going to eradicate you and all your freaking family. So only realized that they don't disappear. So I was like, ah, screw it. And then I just started focusing on the main missions. I, I think if I would have put it on side missions, it could have been annoying. And I, I never thought of it in terms of that where if it levels up, well, if it helps us level up, it's vastly quick. So I don't think I had that experience and that kind of sucks now I think about it because had I done that, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed the game as much as I did now. So I'm kind of glad that I went through just going through the story mode because there's only 20 missions in total and then just kind of creeping up and kind of trying to wipe up with the achievements and side missions and stuff like that. And let this just be a note. I've liberated so many freaking slaves <laughs> like Abraham Lincoln don't got shh on me, man. It's not even funny. And also their mission sucked because they just did it. That that was literally the chore of the game for me. But that was just me. Yeah, I, I, I haven't saved a single slave. In, oh, man. So, you know, the, oh. I guess we are, we're walking on opposite ends of the spectrum Kevin here. Has a swastika. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it's mainly because other than a moral obligation to these video game characters, there's no reason to save a slave in this game because they don't do Damn, anything for you. There's no whatsoever. reason to save well, a slave. You know, there's like they just go back into slavery. What what are they, they even going to do? They're trapped in the middle perfect. of orc territory for like hundreds of miles. What do you you can't just like break their shackles and be like you're free, go forth. It it's not going to work out. Uh, they're going to get captured again or killed so you know great on you uh but no i i just left them in slavery so that they could at least live you're showing like symptoms of a sociopath and it's not good (laughs) they're all gonna die you can't just free them in the middle of enemy territory for miles and miles and miles on the end that even why are you thinking so deep into it just has three damn slave now the reason i didn't free them was because i didn't care to complete a mission with no purpose so you know the first time I played it, I was comparing my achievements this month because I played the Game of the Year edition, which, as many people on site know, offers a different achievement list. So I was comparing my achievements unlocked during playlist with when I first beat it in 2014. And uh, I noticed I didn't do as much of the side stuff this time. I mean, even then I was still over leveled to refer back to my previous point, but I, I didn't get the achievement to do all the slave missions, nor did I like finish the, the weapon side missions this time. And I don't know, maybe maybe. Maybe that's just reveals that the game's lost some favor with me in the three years. I, you know, it was never a favorite game of mine. I, I liked it a lot in 2014. I think I like it less now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't want to say Kevin's convincing me that's bad. He, it, I don't, I, I'm not going to leave this podcast thinking it's bad, but I think there's, you know, enough truth to any of the criticisms that we've shared so far, including his and, and the forum's criticisms as well. Well, let's let's just wait until we get to the critique of the nemesis system, and and then we'll convince you. So let's is, is that next? That's probably you. next, right? But before we get to the nemesis system, I did want to maybe bring up one more point. If you guys can relate to it, if not, I just thought it was an interesting quote from Beta Sig X twenty, another frequent flyer for us in the forums. He said, and tell me if you guys had this problem: the the respawn rate for random enemies on the map seems a little ridiculous. I mean, if I just killed half a dozen Uruks by those tents, it seems like I should have to 
walk more than 10 feet away before they're suddenly back building another campfire. Uh, actually, you don't have to walk 10 feet away. They will just literally respawn on top of you, which did occur to me multiple times, uh, which is part of the problem why the fights never end, because the enemies will infinitely respawn over and over again, and you can't kill them fast enough. So, yeah, uh, you have I, a negative I agree. mindset. Beta -sig. Well, you know, I like to have fun. And just this just wasn't. <laughs> Listen, I had the time of my life going through the damn motions when every time they came, I was just knocking them down like dominoes. And knowing I was like literally the quote from the Joker. I'm a dog chasing a car. I just don't know what I do if I got it. It, just, it. it didn't matter. It was the concept of just keep doing it and doing it. And I could see where it could annoy. But I think the combat did well enough for me so i was it's still into it and once i started seeing my combo levels go up you know you start when you unlock in the tree you could just like do the uh what you call i can't even remember when you start just doing like the deathly combos it's just i don't know you it, i liked it I, maybe i'm being too positive maybe i need some more kevin in my life <laughs> you, you need we need to just play some of my suggestions for playlist no uh, because we're not really doing that right now except sunset overdrive and i think at that point we'll Listen. see what what quality gameplay really is you know well i i think it's pretty clear at this point that I'm we, we have different things that we wanted from this game and i, I am glad that you you liked it but i know you've touched upon the nemesis system and i know mark wants to talk about it so let's let's dig into that because it's probably the only interesting thing in this entire game <laughs> The negativity. You are so sassy. We, yeah, we do have a we have a lot of feedback that I'll get to in due time. Um, I would expect close to a hundred percent, if not a full hundred percent, of people listening to this have already played this game. It'd be a little bit weird if you haven't. But I understand there's an audience. There's some audience for that maybe. But if you know, for those that don't know, the Nemesis system is still to this day, three years later, exclusive to Shadow. Well, exclusive to the series, I guess, because the sequel this October will be featuring it as well. Basically, it. How would you put it? It. It, it's, a, it's, it's it's basically an AI system so that the intent is to make you care about the enemies a little more and give a face to them. So all the orcs have captains and they have war chiefs and, you know, these are bloodthirsty orcs. So they're constantly killing each other to move up. They're trying to prove themselves. They're trying to kill you for glory and that glory increases their strength, etc. So the nemesis system is a way in which all the orcs move with or without your input and increase increase in the hierarchy or fall and die, you know, so that someone else can rise above them, basically. Yeah. And, and not just the sort of chess piece aspect of it, but the more interesting part of it for me is those face-to-face uh, -face encounters where each nemesis of yours, each Uru captain or, or, or war chief or whatever has his own personality. For the most part, they're randomized. There's a couple that like we get as part of the story, regardless, like Ratbag, he's in the story for everybody, no matter what. But outside of that, they're they're randomized in an interesting way. You know, you could, you could get one and it's funny They they all have, you know, it's always their name, some weird name. And then it's like some sort of adjective or, or title or something. And, you know, there's one time I got one that was like, I don't remember his name, just pretend it was Uruk, which it was not obviously, but it was like Uruk, the, the silent or something. And he, he didn't say anything, you know, like usually you get this little like five second cutscene of them taunting you before you go to battle. And this guy was like the silent and the, the game recognized that he was 
called the silent. So it treated him as silent. And I thought, you know, oh, that's that's smart because, <laughs> you know, they, they could have been lazy enough to, to just throw those titles out there for each character. And then they mean nothing towards towards the actual character that you see on the battlefield. But they actually align those properly, which was cool. And then, of course, you know, as they rise and fall or if they kill you, you, you return because you're, you know, in, immortal, also known as playing a video game. <laughs> and, you know, you may return to face them again and they'll either taunt you if they're really brave and, you know, they're like, oh, back for more. <laughs> or they'll, uh, you know, at that point they might cower in fear. They're like, you know, how, how are you doing this, sir? And those little, you call them meta stories. I think, I think actually Chewy on Ice in the forums called the meta stories. Uh, I can read his quote uh, in a moment here, but that's more than just the, the sort of chess match aspect of it. I think like the individual one-on-one encounters or, you know, sometimes up to one-on-three or four or whatever it might've been. Those, that's where like the nemesis system really shines. And it's interesting that three years later, no one else has tried to do it. And I wonder why that is. Well, listen, the nemesis system, I got glued to it at a point. Absolutely no idea. And Mark mentions it. No idea why people haven't done it. And maybe it's just because of the fact that it's done in a certain way where it's just, maybe they can't replicate it or maybe it would just seem like they're just blatantly copying and it just seems not fair or just awkward. I don't know. Which just seems well, strange I, because everything gets copied in video games, you know? Like, even well, the Batman like, combat. Well, maybe they have, like, a patent on it or something. They need the right game because, I mean, it would work in, like, maybe, like, Saints Row if it returned to, like, normalcy, where, like, the other <laughs> games bad. have... Uh, well, it's not. No, it's not. But, you know, a game like that, you know, or GTA even, you know, if there's, like, gangs and then all the members move up within the gangs and, you know, they but kill each other. That's not part of its identity, and I guess that's... Well, uh, no, and maybe not GTA, but it it could be a part of a new IP's identity. It could, but I'm content where it is now. I don't think if I if I played it in a new IP, unless they made something really unique about it, like something worthwhile, then yeah, that's when I'll probably invest into it. But even though I'm pretty sure the Nemesis system didn't appeal for everyone, it did for me because I'm just going off because, you know, you can't really make everybody happy nowadays. But I think for me, that's what keep me playing the game, even though I finished it. Granted, that's only if I want to go through the punishing of pressing X and Y a ton of times, but (laughs) that's perfectly fine. For other people, it may not work. And I remember playing it midway because the story I couldn't follow at times and I I just needed to like take my mind off of it or I didn't want to do side missions. So I just wanted to needlessly kill, which is bad to say. But the Nemesis system is what kept me entertained for the most part. And there were, I wish I could give you the name. I should have wrote it down. But I remember when we get towards the end of the game, whoever your biggest nemesis is, you get an opportunity to kill them. When I killed whatever that guy's name, he had a pointy head, he had this <laughs> weird accent, and his teeth would look like freaking George Washington, and I was so proud of myself that I killed him, because he felt like level infinity, knowing damn well he was probably like only level 30. And the fact that I was able to kill him, I don't know. I, I'd put that on a resume. I killed pointy head. <laughs> no, I, I will say that that little thing at the end was definitely the highlight showing what the nemesis system could be. That was really cool. Uh, mine was named Lorm the Sneak. I think he was a real bastard. He just kept popping up and killing me. He was like number one orc who was always going to come up and kill me like 15 minutes into a fight. So it was really annoying. But, you know, I, I got to kill him in the end and that felt really good. What was yours name, Mark? I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> no. Oh my God. It was I, Kevin. I probably, I probably, I mean, I, I know for sure I had that's those sort of like highlight nemesis moments, my first playthrough, but maybe because this was my second time, I barely died in my playlist 
um, time with this game during July. I, I basically beat the game without dying, like especially because when you get the game of the year edition, they give you a couple like very overpowered runes right away, including a rune that you could attach to your sword that gave you what is supposed to be like the end game, like bottom of the skill tree reward, like when, when you can go into like unlimited execution mode for 30 or 40 seconds or whatever it might be. Like you're supposed to work toward that for the, uh, up until the end of the game and then maybe get it towards the end. And I thought that those runes were required to use those abilities after you got the skills. So I never even tried it. I didn't even use How lame. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I never. Yeah, runes are totally pointless. I had those equipped. I didn't even try no, to no, use No, 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 no. They were, they, they had a point. I just didn't use them. I've learned it after I beat the title, how useful they can be. And I'm just like, wow, I am literally a dunce. What is wrong with me? The ones that come with the game of the year edition are are way too overpowered. Those are the ones I use. Like I, I almost never equipped any that you could pick up from just the normal battles because they give you like three or four for all three of your weapons when you play the game of the year edition. And they, they were all so overpowered that I was like, okay, well, this is all I'll need for the duration of the game. Maybe but yeah, that's I, why I, they seem so lame. <laughs> yeah, we, we have a lot of feedback on the, the Nemesis system. I, sh- I should share some of this. Um, like I said, Chewie on Ice kind of captured like the the essence of the Nemesis system's uh, appeal. He said this, uh, I remember there was this one guy I just could not kill and he kept killing me or escaping when I got close. I faced him like five times in total and it was so satisfying when I finally took him down. Those little meta stories that the Nemesis system creates are what really made the game stand out for me. I think everything else is solid and works very well, but that's the cherry on top. And that, yeah, that to me, that's, you know, more so in 2014 when this game was on the tip of everyone's tongues. 2014 was kind of a slow year for games so it, it actually won a lot of game of year game of the year awards that year but pretty much this and dragon age inquisition were the two that that captured most of the votes that year no what no. can i just can i just say i confused inquisition and shadow of mordor in 2014 because they all look the same to me i know i sound <laughs> stupid but they did titanfall also came out in 2014 and forza horizon 2 okay but titanfall was not that was like one of the best years ever titanfall was one titanfall one yeah and forza horizon 2 is really good and also deserved game of the year even though it didn't get it from like anyone it should have so did yeah. pokemon so, go anyway keep so going best multiplayer game ever best racing game ever and 2014 was not a dead year is all i'm trying to say well, i said it was kind of dead. a down year it's it's kind of an up year as well okay. and then yeah we i mean we still we have a lot of stuff about the nemesis system a new name in the forums I, uh, as best i can remember pinchy kane he or she said i love the nemesis system it, it could be improved of course which you know side note that's probably what the sequel will do but it did make it different than any other game I've played. Some games could be improved by implementing something like it. For example, I played Mafia 3 recently, and the Nemesis system could have made the parts about flipping the underbosses to your side a little bit more interesting. There's two things from that. One... Another game that I know people have mentioned before, actually the Kane and Rins podcast, the the podcast that inspired this podcast that you should all also be listening to. I actually filled in for them recently when they did their Mad Max episode, and I believe it was Jay over there for Kane and Rins that mentioned that the Nemesis system would have fit in right there. And it's especially weird in that case because 
Warner Brothers also published that one. So you, you could have maybe seen them mandating that Avalanche take that from Monolith and put it in that game too. But like we said, it hasn't been seen anywhere else. And then my, my second point to play off of Pinchy Kane's uh, insightful comment is I think he or she kind of nailed it. Like it does make it stand out. If, you know, Kevin doesn't like this game, Will did like it. I liked it. Maybe not as much as Will. I'm not sure how we would measure that up. But however you feel about this game, picture it without the Nemesis system and then examine what's what remains that would really hurt it no legitimately a shell of a game without the nemesis system this game would not be what it is this is the nemesis system gave this game its identity i don't want to hear anything otherwise because (laughs) at the end of the day if you say that this game okay if at the end of the day if this nemesis system wasn't in it and you enjoyed this game you'd have to really convince me that you were not on any type of drugs because it was there was just not enough there it literally could have been a cookie cutter of something else because there's been plenty like, of times Assassin's Creed which is no. what it was a cookie cutter of oh no 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 we're not gonna go there I'm just saying at the end of the day it's not it's empty it's empty because it takes parts of other games not just Assassin's Creed it takes other parts of games and meshes it and I think the nemesis system is really that glue that that keeps everything together that makes this game stand out. Maybe I'm I'm going up out above and beyond when I'm saying this, but that's just truly how I feel. And Mark, you mentioned it. I'm, I'm pretty sure we're on the same standards of liking it. I think just because you had to replay it and you knew what to expect, it probably tainted it a bit as where me, it was just like, I'm diving into this. I don't know what the hell I'm playing. To the point that we're making that without the Nemesis system, this game really probably struggles uh, critically and commercially. As best I know, I haven't played the Xbox 360 version, but from what I've heard, that version doesn't include the Nemesis system um, just because of constraints put on them by the last gen, I imagine. So it's it's too bad because I'm sure some people are listening to this probably only having played that version and it's... It must, you know, not to rub it in their faces, but they they missed like a great deal of the reasons to play this game. <laughs> I think as far as this Nemesis system being integral to this game having an identity, I think that that's true. But I think that because it was so important, it, because everything is so bad in this game, except for the Nemesis system, it made the Nemesis system itself look a lot better than it actually was. Because if you really think about it, the Nemesis system system is basically just kill this person so that this other person goes up or order this person to become a bodyguard order this person to betray it's all very it doesn't feel very alive which is what the developers had intended but it it just doesn't do that and i think that the named characters are kind of ancillary to the nemesis system really because at least to me the nemesis system is all about how the the orcs move up and around in their hierarchy and you could have had random named npcs that reappear and kill you over and over until you kill them without the rest of this so you know i i think that those are definitely the best part of this system but they're also not really they're just something that happened because this system exists in the first place like i said i i think when i was doing the part where you have to brand all five war chiefs it was just so mechanical there was no strategy to it really it was literally just you know open up my little screen click on this guy tell him to become a bodyguard go back and find him again tell him to challenge the war chief kill you know whoever bodyguards i need or turn them and brand them obviously and then you know go fight the war chief 
There is never any strategy involved. There's never something like, you know, this person's more of a leader. This person's got this strength. This person's got that strength. So I think what is missing from this whole thing is an element of strategy. And that would have made it far more interesting because right now it's just moving around a menu and there's nothing fun about it to me at least. It, it could have been a lot better if I had to actually think about if there were negative consequences to me putting a specific branded war chief in a specific position, uh, you know, such as weakening that person as if opposed to me putting someone else there. That would have that would have brought some strategy that I think would have made this Nemesis system better than it was. I think the sequel, <laughs> you know, from what we've seen of the sequel, we, we can't know for sure because right now we're just being advertised to, but it seems like that's what they're going for. The Nemesis system takes seemingly several steps forward. It's it's more than just the villains, you know? I think it's, like, settlements, and it, it, it does seem like it, it captures more of a sense of strategy, so I don't know. I've, from what I looked, and I did actually looked at it, it's, it's not, unfortunately, which is why I decided I don't want to play the sequel, which I guess just spoils what we'll probably talk about later. But <laughs> all the sequel seems to be doing, at least from the previews that I read of it, is adding another rank above Warchief, basically, and those ranks have fortresses and you can lay siege to those fortresses. It's still the same system. Otherwise, the same very mechanical, just, you know, send this guy here, send this guy here, you know, set up these pawns. I wanted this to be more like like Game of Thrones. And even if you haven't watched that I'm, or read it, I'm sure you know the idea basically is, you know, all these people vying, you know, in just a ridiculous political setting. I really wanted to see that as the nemesis system. And what we got was just kind of bad. It was just this person rises, this person <laughs> rises, etc. Just you always know what's going to happen. And that's that's just not fun. There needed to be something more. There needed to be some strategy. And it wasn't here, especially not in this game. And that's why the system failed. But like I said, the system I, did not fail. It, the system did fail. It, <laughs> Like I said, the thing that you liked most about it, which was going and killing these guys who had killed you, that didn't need the Nemesis system to even be in the game. That's just separate. That's just something that happened as a result of the nemesis system. The nemesis system itself is basic and while it's not necessarily bad, it is very bare bones. It just looks better because everything else is really bad. It is bare bones in a sense, but I think your expectations just don't match up to what it was. Because when you say you want it to be Game of Thrones, there's no possible way. You're digging into a whole different spot that you can't get into. And when you say there's no strategy, I totally disagree with you on that one because I had to figure out which chiefs under them, where their bodyguards were and how to make them brand on my end. So that way, when I'm attacking these bastards and we come to battle at the end of the day, when I know that the time is right, I can get them to attack them, making the battle 10 times easier. So for you to say that there's not enough strategy, I guess in a sense, yeah, there could be more additions to it. And I, I'm not saying the nemesis system is perfect. I said that from the get go. But to say that there's no strategy that came into it, at least for me, who dived 80 something hours into it disagree so much disagree there because i i learned a hard way from dying over and over again there needs to be a game plan i can't attack everybody the same way i have to utilize the information i have to dethroning whoever this person is right and that strategy in the gameplay and and i do agree that there was some strategy there especially you know sometimes you want to figure out the weaknesses sometimes i mean obviously you need to figure out who the bodyguards are that the strategy there is deciding that you need to do that in order to succeed the no, actual you don't need to you way can go in which you want well, right the actual way that you do that requires no strategy it's just walk over to this or interrogate him 
click on the thing that tells you about, you know, the next target. There's no, what I mean by strategy is like I said, things like, you know, let's, let's say your, your prized Uruk right here really doesn't work well with this other prized Uruk, who's a bodyguard of the current one, even that you've branded even. And then, you know, you make yours the war chief and then maybe have like friction between those two, like, you know, potentially cause strife and that kind of thing. And so you should have thought about that. There would have been some kind of strategic thinking, you know, here, I shouldn't put these two together, etc. And then if you have those kind of relationships among all the orcs, the game would have been far more interesting. Well, but you're talking, in, you're talking in terms of politics. There's no politics in this game. Right. And that's what I'm saying. It should have had in order for the nemesis system to actually be good. I still disagree. I'm sorry. Politics does not make a difference in terms of this. This isn't a television show. This is a game that you're supposed to just jump into <laughs> and play. So when you want a freaking, hey, I'll slide you a 300 herbs just to... No, I get it. It's cool, but that's not what I consider this game's identity. This game is right, supposed but- to be simplistic. It's supposed to be able so you can jump in and play and fun. And if you add that extra element, I'm not saying that it wouldn't. I'm not saying that it wouldn't be good. I'm just saying it would make it something entirely different. And I will. I'm going to pull a Kevin quote and say this may isolate some people. And that's (laughs) all I'll say is that without those politics, the nemesis system is basically nothing but a set of menus. And like I said, all the personality is is completely ancillary to it. The nemesis system itself is mechanical menus and they're just basically another set of side quests. And Mark, I wanted get me to out of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say we could probably call those your. I mean, that was sort of Nemesis focused, but I think you guys have both sort of captured how you feel about the game overall. Maybe we could call those your final thoughts. And to which I would just add that it's uh, it is a flawed game. It's also a three year old game. It does something that is still somehow unique to this day, even though it was praised heavily when it came out in the Nemesis system. You know, we're going to get more of that with the sequel. But to date, as as much as we know about what's coming, Shadow of War is the only game that's going to do more with the Nemesis system after Mordor introduced it. And I think that's pretty cool. I do think it can be implemented elsewhere. And I'm curious when that's going to happen. And more so, even curious why it hasn't happened yet. And for me personally, I, I will play Shadow of War, not for $60, but it's, you know, I pretty much play every third person action adventure anyway. So the, it's it's definitely something I want to play. Maybe, I mean, Kevin's already said no, I think. Right, Kevin? You're not going to play it? Not unless it gets voted in on the playlist. <laughs> well, uh, maybe in one word, are you going to play it? Shadow of War? Do I ever say anything in one word? Yes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I do plan on playing it. Not sure if I'm going to play it on launch. I, I like waiting on reviews, which it's bad because I shouldn't do that. I should just enjoy it for myself. But I don't know. Maybe if uh, Mark puts me on the review team, I'm going to stop this play. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll end up playing it eventually. And I, I won't be those people who are the first adopters. Yeah. So two of maybe, I guess two of us will play it, but maybe for 30 or $40 or even fewer, but not full price, I guess. Well, I'm... Um, Will's poor, so keep going. <laughs> I hope my soldiers gave you a welcome. Where are you? Show yourself! This is the work of the tower. The Black Hand went looking for you. But it will give me great pleasure to take you myself. <laughs> 
achievement community stats were the biggest they've ever been so far in the early <laughs> history of playlist mainly because about what five or six days into the month the game of the year edition which is the only one available digitally nowadays the the original vanilla edition was removed from the stores um, but the game of the year edition plummeted in price it was free for a weekend and it was on sale for that same week for four dollars basically as a promotional tool to get people interested in the sequel they even updated the game during this month so for those people that thought the darksiders 3 announcement during our darksiders playlist month was interesting um here's more evidence to suggest that uh all eyes are on ta playlist <laughs> uh, long story short this month was huge like what like fivefold what the darksiders month was which was previously our biggest one because that game was a, a freebie a few weeks prior to us playing it i thought it was a little interesting how this month was so much bigger than darksiders even though darksiders was free and this game was just really cheap but i guess that's because both name value and having it be a lord of the rings game versus just whatever darksiders is in the opinions of most people and then also darksiders the freebie version was a back compat 360 version whereas this was a all-inclusive game of the year edition of a, of a highly lauded xbox one game so i guess that's where that difference lies but to get on to the numbers uh, in total, we had, you know, it's the 29th right now. It's just about to tick over to the 30th. It's almost 3 a.m. for Will. I'm sorry, Will. <laughs> um, but it's uh, we had just under 19, over 18,800 people playing the game this month, be it their first time or not. Additionally, over 16,000 people played it for the first time. For a lot of people, I think that was a stack who, you know, people like me who had already played the original and went back and uh, got the Game of the Year edition. Unfortunately for me, I bought it for $20 like days before it went on sale. Um, we had 171 complete it, start to finish. I don't know how many of those are the Game of the Year edition, but however many of those there are, that's extra impressive because not only does that include several more achievements, but it includes very two difficult achievements that were driving the forums crazy all month. Just under 300,000 total achievements. That'll that'll take over, I think, before the end of the month. Again, just under 6 million, 6 million, wow. Just under 6 million gamer score for the month and just under 10 million TA score, which is our proprietary uh, recalculated score. You, you can actually, I don't know if anyone's ever done this, but if you go to the True Achievements Wikipedia entry, you can see the math formula f- to, that explains how the TA score is derived. And it is dizzyingly complex <laughs> for me, at least. <laughs> Maybe someone, I mean, surely Rich gets it, but not me. I don't know how you guys did part Personally, and again, before I get to my own stats, I just want to say that that month is, is huge. Obviously, a lot of people were playing just because it was on sale and maybe weren't even with us in the forums. But the forums were actually, I think, busier than they've ever been this month, too. So maybe playlist is growing and growing each month, it seems. And it's cool to have everybody with us all the time. For me personally, I unlocked from the Game of the Year edition 38 total achievements for 735 gamer score, just over 1100 TA score. That is fewer than I got. I never completed the vanilla edition, and this is even fewer than that because, like I said, I stopped short of doing some of the side mission stuff this time. It just didn't capture my interest the second time around, like the slave missions that Will mentioned. But I was pretty satisfied. If, if I get over 700 gamer score for a playlist game, I'm comfortable walking away from it at that point. That's a good little boost to my overall stats. How'd you guys do? Well, I always like to complete the games, and due to a very busy month, I didn't really get to play until this last week. So I only got up to basically the same stats as you. I have about 1,200 TA, 730 gamer score after 15 hours. I will be continuing next month uh, since that game I've already completed, so it should be basically give me the month that I missed this month to complete Shadow Mordor, which I expect to do hopefully in about 15 hours uh, for 30 total if 
all goes as planned. Nice. Well, so with the game of the year edition, I have a little over two G's in the TA score, basically 74% of the achievements unlocking 55 out of 74. And I would have gone to it. I would have finished it. I totally could have done it. I just lost ambition midway. By the time we got through it, because uh, I just got into other games, and honestly, not that anyone cares, but uh, I'm reaching my I'm reaching my hundred thousand point of gamer score. Is that I don't it's apparently yeah, hundred thousand gamer score milestone. Yeah, so okay. I've been slowly working on that and just kind of adding just gamer score on that one. And it's not that Middle Earth couldn't have done it. However, it wasn't getting me at the pace I wanted to get it to. <laughs> so. Will I go to finish it is a very good question. Right now, this is looking like a backlog, like almost a sweep up list like I have already set up. But who knows? Maybe if I need to keep a, you know, a streak going, possibly I'll jump into it. I know for sure, like this list is very, it's very easy for the most part, at least for the first thousand. And then it starts to get a little more annoying, more like I have to do chores and whatnot. But I feel like I say that with every game as soon as it becomes more of a hassle or more of I have to do this and invest more time into it when I feel like I've I've comfortably invested 40 something plus hours and that's just playing on this account where I've played 40 on my girlfriend's account to try to get her game a score who's slowly trying to become an achievement hunter. Huh? Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm pretending I was reporting you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'm, but I'm not. I'm not. Uh, reported. I'm sorry. You've Wait, made what? an enemy out of Kevin this episode. He's legitimately okay. reporting you. You can report me all I, all you want. I'm just. I'm trying to get my gamer score up. You can take her game. She ain't got OTA account. She don't give a damn. Listen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Microsoft no, is gonna have some words for you. I assure you. <laughs> You know what? I regret doing that Fortnite preview with you. Next time I need to do a preview with Mark. That was such a good preview, though. It was with like 20 views. Different things. Different conversations. No, it had to have more than that. I'm talking crap. Point being is that the list is okay. I, I, I don't think it's that bad. I think once you get past the side missions and whatnot, I think it starts to jump into the DLC territory. And that's where I just kind of like, eh. Do I want yeah, to that's where a lot of DLC? people were stuck. Apparently one of the deal, I, I should have played the DLC since I paid for it, but I just wasn't ready to do it yet. But apparently one of the, one of the DLCs is very similar to the main game and the other one changes it up pretty drastically. So I'm kind of curious to see what that's about. Um, I know they each have a pretty challenging achievement attached to them. That's what held up a lot of the community, but 171 people completed the game. You know, a good portion of those are likely the game of the year editions. Cause I think a lot of people completed the vanilla edition long ago anyways, and they rejoined us this month when the the all-inclusive edition went on sale so that's pretty good for them <laughs> i'm not the type myself but you know i can still respect that before we take a quick peek at what august playlists look like we wanted to sort of thank those of you who have subscribed to the show maybe even rated it and reviewed us if you're listening on itunes or even if you're not but you can access the apple podcast app it only takes a moment to help us out by taking those steps just a quick subscription is like minimum that that's quick and easy that's a one button click thing and then if you want to rate and review us it should only take an additional three minutes or so it, we're on a few different platforms but in this early age of podcasts a show's apple subscription count and rating are still what move the needle like above all else it's it's weird and you if you listen to a lot of podcasts you've probably heard on other shows like you might be listening to us on stitcher or, or just the, on the embedded ta com podcast player but wherever you are if you can access the apple podcast app and if you're interested it could take in three minutes to help us out would be cool i was gonna say they see some common uh reviewers over there <laughs> yeah i'm not even gonna mention that part <laughs> me and kevin just letting you guys know this is uh the place to be <laughs> 
Yeah, like I was saying, the, the show is made by and for the community and helping us find new listeners means growing the playlist community and the broader TA community too. If you really hate iTunes, I should say, um, which is a weird sentiment that I found on site a lot. If you do really hate iTunes though, or if you simply don't want to take those steps, even word of mouth can go a long way. I'm, like I well alluded to before, I'm, I'm a huge podcast fan myself. I subscribe to about 30 or so. They're not all weekly, but many of them are. And many of those I found just from Somebody I follow on Twitter tweeted about some show I'd never heard of or somebody told me in conversation, oh, if you like A, you should try B. And it's sort of what led me to a lot of new shows. So any of that stuff sort of helps. We already have a strong community. And when we came up with the idea for Playlist, we were confident it could take off thanks to just how active the site is literally every single day. Like it's it's such it's such a great community, like briefest and what we might think is the most disinteresting news story, like it gathers several comments each and it, it invites discussion like TA is super comfy home for all of us, I think. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's still plenty of room for growth. And if you want to help this show and the forums grow, just if you can just take three minutes, subscribe, rate, review on iTunes tunes and uh check us out on truechemus.com if you're listening and you're not on there already because then you can get involved in playlists a lot more with all that said it's time to close the proverbial book on shadow of mordor and look at what's coming in august i don't want to get too much into it because we will just be repetitive when we do the august show next month you know obviously august is already chosen at this point we something new we decided to do is every fifth month we would bring back the previous four second place games from the for playlist polls and pit them against each other as a sort of check second chance poll. So that means August's poll featured Dishonored, Tomb Raider, Star Wars, The Force Unleashed, and, you know, as will happen for the second consecutive month, Life is Strange, which ended up being the winner. It's the only one that really separated itself. The other three games were all within just a few dozen votes. I think only eight votes separated Dishonored and Tomb Raider, but Life is Strange finished about 200 clear of the others. So that's what's coming to the playlist hub on site for the duration of August. It's pretty timely too with the prequel also coming out next month though it's not actually what i voted for i voted for tomb raider how do you guys vote and what are your initial thoughts on life is strange for august negative or positive what do you want you gotta let us know because one of us is gonna bring it and you know who's gonna be who <laughs> well yeah i know whoever speaks first it's fine it doesn't have to be in any order listen i voted for life is strange all right dishonored uh, tomb raider did i want to play again and the force unleashed I don't know which one came. I didn't pay attention to the stats of that at all. I was just static when I found out that Life is Strange is the game we're going to be playing this month. So I'm very excited to do that because I've already played it. I've already unlocked all the achievements. But seeing that, like you mentioned, at the end of August, we're going to start getting that prequel. It's about a good time for me to do it. And this time I'm going to I'm going to really I'm going to try to analyze it instead of being a fan of it, because initially I don't know why. But the whole appeal of it really came out as like a YA or young adult type vibe, maybe angsty-ish teen. I don't know. That's what uh, Mark says. But I really got into it. And as a 23-year-old man, I probably shouldn't have. I feel some comfort knowing that Rich, the, you know, the guy who actually runs TA, he enjoyed it as much as I did. So I'm very excited. I think this is going to be a brilliant month that's coming up. I got a lot to say. I, I can tell already. And then, then comes the lightning. <laughs> Kevin... <laughs> Tell us. I'm optimistic uh, that my opinion will change on the game. It is not very good, but oh, who knows what a second playthrough with, you know, a story based game, especially it, it really could change if there's actually some depth to be found here. I know Will said he was going to be looking for it. I will, too, since hopefully, you know, that's the only thing that's going to save it. So I, I hope to see that there. Uh, maybe, you know. 
try to understand better what other people liked about it. Now, I, I will say I didn't think it was a bad game. I just didn't particularly like it. So I'm really more middle of the fence on this one. I'm, I'm not going to trash the game. It's just not something <laughs> that I really ever wanted to play again. I voted for either Tomb Raider or Dishonored. Honestly, I don't remember. I think I switched my vote a couple times, but either way, it, it doesn't matter. I would have rather played either one of those, but <laughs> just, you know, too, too, too bad. Uh, nobody wanted to play these. Star Wars for sure. So, you know, uh, as long as that didn't win, you know, I guess, you know, as, I can't as be. As soon as August hits, it's going to be like, Kevin's going to automatically be like, yeah, so this game was trash. <laughs> no, as soon as August hits, I'm just going to be thinking like, God, when is September going to get here? And hopefully September will bring something that I actually want to play, but it, it probably won't either with my luck. So anyway, looking forward to it. None of us are going into it with fresh eyes. You know, plenty in the community will be. It'll be interesting. Uh, I think regardless of how we thought of it previously, it's going to generate at least a good discussion for this show um, and for the forums, of course. And it, yeah, just it has a huge fan base. So we'll hear what we'll hear from them, no doubt. But as for July, this pretty much wraps it up. This is our fourth show. We want to thank everyone who's been with us from the beginning, as well as anyone who's listening for the first time. Check us out on thank site you. as always. Yep. <laughs> Check us out on site as always. Truechievements.com. You can sign up there, cast your votes, get in the forums, share clips, everything that playlist is. It's much more than just the show of the three of us arguing. So check that out. Check us out on iTunes. Thank you for listening. And we'll catch you next month for some teeny bop with Life is Strange. Oh, God. Here we go again. <laughs> Bye. Fare thee well. Fare thee well. Fare thee well.